welcome to Cocktails and Calamity, the show where we get inebriated and discuss the fallout of technology, politics, and the social transformations shaping humanity's global future. Hey everyone, and welcome to Cocktails and Calamity, the show where we drink depressants and discuss the technology, politics, and social transformations shaping humanity's global future. Um, today we're going to dive deep into the life and legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I've got myself here, Kristen, and Candy Hall Clark. Candy, how are you today? I'm fantastic. How are y'all? We're great. It's great to have you. I really appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, this is something that uh, we wanted. To, you know, obviously, Friday was, I, I think, a rough day for everybody when we all heard the news. Maybe, why don't maybe you could kick us off, Candy, and tell us kind of where you were and, and and how you were feeling when when you heard the news. So we had decided that day to go as a family. We went to Lou Gardens to see the ferry doors with the kids. So we had been outside all evening and I hadn't picked up my phone and I was determined to have a day void of tragedy. And I, my messages started ding, 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 dinging. And I'm like, oh my God. And I I thought in my head, did someone die? Like, why is this? Dinging, and when I picked it up and saw who it was, I just, I, I was so hoping that that's not what it was, and that's what it was, and it was very, I mean, very sad, and it kind of made me feel instantly hopeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was definitely our experience. We had, we were actually we had just finished up last week's episode, and um, we were sitting down, and my sister texted me i think it was like i don't know seven thirty, eight o'clock and she was like no just this long text no and then uh she texted me the link and i was just i it was almost like you know in the cartoons where those anvils come from the sky and just like drop down and just crush you like i i felt immobile for a second like i, I didn't even know what to think after you know trump has now appointed already two um conservative leaning court justices and and this would make three and Kristen and I are going okay is there a filibuster can we can we read good night moon for like <laughs> the next you know six days in the senate to ensure that they don't get they don't get to move this this through and uh yeah it was just devastating mm-hmm. yeah no no more fil- no filibusters was like the fifth message I had <laughs> it was like it was like all the no's, and then I clicked on one of my friends, and the first comment was, no filibusters, and I was like, yeah. yeah. And the crazy, ironic part was that I had been on the phone with a good friend of mine until, like, five in the morning the night before, um, and she uh, she's Jewish, and she reminded me, she's like, Kristen, don't get too upset. Tomorrow's Rosh Hashanah, so we can count the Jewish New Year and not the end of 2012, and everything's going to be okay starting tomorrow. And and yeah, <laughs> Ruth actually died on the what was it the night or the night of Rosh Hashanah? The, yeah, the, yeah, and that qualifies her technically as a zadik in the Jewish religion. It's to die on an important holiday, which is a righteous person or a justice's time of death. So, really? Yeah. It's funny because um, 
Ruth Gader Ginsburg always talked about how she was born on, under a very bright star and uh, how much, you know, her, her life and career meant to, to, you know, not only women, but, but people in general. And, you know, she has been through so much. She's been through pancreatic cancer, lung cancer. Um, there, she's actually had three different types of cancer um, over the last 30 years. And it's just, you know, the, the, the fight that was in that woman um, was just extraordinary. And then to hear her dying wish is that she doesn't, uh, you know, the, the next judge is not installed. And then to hear Trump talk about it, like, oh, that was, that's made up by the Democrats. That's, that's this, that, and the other. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's just a smack in the face. It, it just it hurts so deeply. Disrespectful crap. <laughs> it, it shocked me how um, quickly they kind of moved in on it. I didn't expect them not to. The minute it happened, I didn't expect them not to. Right. But I didn't expect within hours. The two hours, right? McConnell. For every one of them to be like, hey, oh, you know, so sad. But by the way, um, we're going to replace her immediately. And I right. thought that was really... And I don't know why I'm surprised about Republicans being disrespectful, honestly, but I don't know. Maybe I still have a little hope left in people. I thought it was just really disrespectful to not wait 24 hours before immediately saying you're going to replace her after you spent months justifying not letting Obama replace someone during an election year. Right. So it's. It's like they don't even try to hide the hypocrisy anymore. It's just all out there and they don't care. And that it bothered me in a in a sense of disrespect um to RBG but also just that they're so blatantly careless with the hypocrisy now. They don't even care to try to hide what they're trying to do. Yeah, and it's funny because you see it it you know, you see it on both sides. Like for example, I was I was watching um as I was doing the research for this show, I was watching um a video and it was a, it was uh I believe a USA Today YouTube video where they were showing um Trump actually going to um to the Supreme Court and everybody was screaming vote him out, vote him out. And on the other side, you have the Republicans saying the the Democrats are so disrespectful that you know couldn't they have just let him let let him be there and and it's 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 really quite fascinating how polarized we are at this point in history because you have both sides saying the exact same thing now I I lean more towards with you because I'm looking at Lindsey Graham uh, in 2018 when he said oh you know he, he literally said it's like a 60 second tape you can watch it he's he's saying that if in after the primary start in Trump's last um, last year's president, if a court seat opens up, he do, he would not vote to fill that seat. And they said, uh, Lindsay, you're on record. And he said, keep the tape, keep the tape. And I'm going, OK, so there literally is zero. There is literally I mean, it's, it's complete hypocrisy. Like for the fact the fact that he can sit here and say that. And and not even you know just completely ignore it is is just incredibly frustrating. Uh, and then you've got Mitch McConnell who you know like you said, Candy, um, you know eight months prior to the election, eight months when he had Merrick Garland up, um, you know he said that it was too close to an election year. We should let we should let the people vote. And now he his excuse is his excuse is that we have people or excuse me his excuse is that we have the 
Senate, and the presidency. Tr- uh, Obama only had the presidency. He didn't have the Senate. So that was, that's his excuse for his hypocrisy. But, I mean, it's still hypocrisy. I know. <laughs> for those of you who can't see Candy's face right now, I think she's about to implode. <laughs> Just, I can't with it. I cannot. I, I cannot. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I, um, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we go, why don't we start, why don't, why don't we get back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Because I think the, and, and we'll get more into politics later and, and that sort of thing, but I think she deserves and again, you know, I don't think we, it's, it's so hard, right? Because it's been politicized so quickly. Like, I don't think anybody's really had a chance to mourn um, and really take a moment to, to, to breathe deeply and, and appreciate her legacy and what she brought to the court, uh, what she brought to gender equality, what she brought to feminism. Um, so I think it's, it's worth really taking a look back at, at who she was as a person and how she got to, to be on the Supreme Court and, and what she did. Um, so she was actually, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was actually born on March 5th, 1933 in Brooklyn. Um, she is a, a, a Brooklyn girl, um, and she was the daughter of Russian Jewish immigrants. This, this actually brought a tear to my eye. She, um, she, was, she was nicknamed Kiki when she was a little baby because of how much she kicked. She was just a kicker. Uh, and so her parents named her Kiki. Uh, which just speaks to, it's like the foreshadowing of just this extraordinary woman kicking back up against, um, you know, society as it were. And (laughs) I I found this funny too, when she was growing up, she got into a lot of trouble, um, not only as a toddler, but as a kid. And like when the neighborhood boys would mistreat her, like it, it would not be strange for her to be, uh, for her mom to catch her throwing rocks (laughs) at little boys. She was a firebrand, man. And she was this little tiny, you know, in her later, she was just this little tiny woman. And she was just a passionate, a passionate firebrand. Um, so after high school, Ruth attended Cornell University and later graduated first in her first in her class at Harvard. Now, mind you, nine women, 525 men were in this class at Harvard, and she graduated first in her class. Um, have you guys seen the? I, I know you have, Kristen, but have you, have you seen uh, what's the name of her? The movie, the most on recent the basis movie? of sex. Yes, on the basis. Have you seen that, Candy? Have you seen it on the basis? Of I sex? haven't seen it. Someone just sent it to me this week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get it. But it does have one of my, they they have one of my favorite stories from her in that movie, and they show it where um, the guy at the the law school asks them why they're taking these seats from men. I, I love that. I love that because it's very, it, it speaks to like everything that yeah. she went through. Like, why are you taking this seat from men? Why are you taking this voice from men? Why are you taking this from men? And yeah, so and as a, as a woman business owner, I have, right. I, I attribute a lot of to what I, I can accomplish today. Um, to her taking a seat from a man. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And it speaks to the time and it speaks to the generation because women, most of them who were going to colleges back then were going to college to learn how to be a good support system for their husbands. Right. (laughs) What was it? They used used to say like, you're getting your MRS degree. You're going to get a husband and. (laughs) What is that? What is your MRS degree? Yeah. Like for years. Your missus. Your MRS. 
Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, like uh, Stevens that my mom went to. That was, girls didn't go there because they were gonna have a great career. <laughs> girls went there to yeah to find to a meet, man. Meet was a that man it? to marry at the nearby school? It was a girls' school. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, Glenn Ferguson just wrote a comment on Facebook. Kiki rock throwing fire brand ass kicker. And, and she was indeed. Uh, but I, to your point, Candy, as well, uh, you know, the fact that she was, and actually this is kind of interesting because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that, that scene you're talking about, about, so basically what happened. So the, the dude's name was air. Uh, sorry, I've got it right here. Erwin, uh, Erwin Griswold. He was the Dean at the time. And, uh, he had a dinner party, private for, dinner, mm-hmm. a private dinner for not for all nine of the women who were in uh, in Harvard Law at that time. Um, and as Candy said, he said, uh, "Tell us why you are here and why you deserve to take the place of a man." And that, you know, when when I first saw that in, in the movie, I was just like, it was like a punch in the in the mouth. And surprisingly. Ruth actually stood up for him um, when, after he said that. So when I was doing the research, she actually said he was doing the best he could. Um, he was actually a proponent of allowing women into the school. And what, what she said, this is according to Ruth. So I don't, like, I'll take her word for it, but I'm sure there are other opinions of the eight women who were there. So, But for, for this conversation, we'll take Ruth's word for it. But she said that he... Um, <laughs> he didn't have a sense of humor. Um, and he said that, um, and uh, she didn't believe the, what he really meant to say. She, did, she didn't believe what he was actually saying came across and what he was actually trying to do was get them to tell him why they should be there and take the place of a man. So he could then go take that to the rest of the faculty and speak on their behalf. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that's 100% true. I don't know if all eight of those women would agree with it, but I do know that later, uh, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was interviewed about it, that's what she said, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah, for sure. It it, it kind of speaks to her diplomacy, Dude. like her <laughs> her ability to to you know that's that's a that's a big person. That's a that's a yeah. very. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy rare gift. If you think of all the years that she worked on the Supreme Court, I mean, for most of us, that would be stress that would kill you at the end of the day. Well, and all the discrimination she faced to be able to see his perspective when, you know, in the midst of facing that kind of severe discrimination, right? I mean, she was, she was an anomaly. Like she was an, mm-hmm. she was an absolute anomaly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that was one of the other things that I wanted to bring up uh, about her is that she always said, it's never worth getting angry. Um, take that anger, funnel it and, and be strategic. And she was one of the most strategic, brilliant women. Um, you know, she later, 
Well, we'll we'll get into that. I don't want to I don't want to jump too far ahead. So let's let's get back to um her, back to Harvard. So upon graduation, Ginsburg had everything she needed to start a luminary career. She was the top of her student class. She had glowing recommendations from several professors. She was a shoe in to land a job directly as a clerk to the Supreme Court. So most people who would have graduated men, I shouldn't say most people, men who would have graduated first in their class at Harvard could have easily gotten a job as a clerk on the Supreme Court. Um, but she was turned down. Um, sexism was rampant, and she just couldn't get a job. And her um, her professor uh, from Columbia, Gerald Gunther, um, let's see, became... Okay, so he's giving her... Basically, what happens is that he's giving her a recommendation to this gentleman named uh, Paul Mary, who was like this lunatic district judge in New York at the time. He was a fucking crazy, cursing, sexist asshole. <laughs> um, and she was trying to get a job with him, and, she, and he turned her down because he believed she couldn't handle his, his cursing and sexism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the person from Columbia who recommended her, or excuse me, Harvard, who recommended her, um, went back and said... If you don't hire her, I will never, ever recommend another person for you uh, coming out of Harvard. And he, he, he hired her pretty much immediately right after that. And that's where she really started to pick up steam because she blew him away. She blew everybody away. I mean, her, her ability to research and understand the law and strategize was just, I mean, she, she was, she was a, a firebrand. Unbelievable. That's- so was this at like twenty eight? Like, how old was she when she graduated law school? Um, I don't have that in front of me. I'm not sure exactly the age. If anybody's out there uh, who has that information, feel free to uh, to throw it in the the comment section. Um, but still pretty young. Oh yeah, like oh, seriously yeah. young. Yeah, yeah, probably eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty two. <laughs> probably like twenty. Yeah, probably like twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that. I would not have had the. The self, I just, in my 20s, I just was not, I don't know the right word. I wasn't, I didn't know how to speak up for my own self yet. Much, much, yes, much, I mean, much less like an entire country of people. I, I would have never even known how to speak up for people like that. I'm just now figuring that out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. I'm, you know. At 40, I'm, how old am I, Kristen? 41, 42? <laughs> <laughs> you're 40. I don't even know. Um, no, but, you, no, I think I'm almost, almost 42. But, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, the the will that she had at such a young age um, and, and the brilliance. I mean, I mean, she was, she was just an incredible woman. Um, she'd actually go on after this. She'd go on to... Um, uh, become a, become a lawyer. She founded the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU. Uh, and within a year of becoming the project's general counsel, the organization embarked on over 300 gender discrimination cases. Uh, oh, wait. No, that was N- your oh. age. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got a comment. Uh, 41. I was thinking, I, was, I thought that was for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, that's me. I, I, was just, I was just told in the comment section how old I am. Uh, thank, thank you. <laughs> 
Um, so she goes on, she goes on with the ACLU and the Women's Rights Project. She goes on to embark on over 300 gender, gender discrimination cases. She eventually takes uh, six of those to the Supreme Court and wins five. She wins five out of six of her gender di- discrimination ca- uh, cases that went to the Supreme Court. She spent over a decade in a sexist legal system, and she knew it wasn't going to change overnight. This is where her true genius really began to show. Instead of simply trying to get the Supreme Court to ban all discrimination in one fell swoop, Ginsburg strategically cut away at the countless sexist corners of the law. In fact, she was so cunning, half the time, people didn't even realize what she was doing. She defended, and and here's, here's something that's fascinating about her. So she wouldn't just defend women. She defended men as well. So in this particular case, in her days at the ACLU, a lot of Ginsburg plaintiffs were actually men. She dealt with plenty of chauvinistic pigs in her day, and Ginsburg knew exactly how to make change. Make the men in charge realize that discrimination is affecting them too. Mm. One, one of these cases was Weinberger versus Weisenfeld. Um, but this particular suit would change her life forever. Steven Weisenfeld lost his wife and suddenly found himself a single father of a young child. However, when he tried to take out survivor benefits from Social Security, he received a rude awakening. Only widows could receive survivor's benefits, not widowers. Ginsburg eventually took this case to the Supreme Court, and in the process, she and Weisenfeld became extremely close. She won the case and remained friends with Weisenfeld for the rest of her life. She helped Weisenfeld's son into Columbia and even officiated his wedding. Ginsburg's life wasn't just a slog of discrimination and conflict. She helped a ton of people, and there were bright spots like this everywhere. She knew that if she was going to change the minds of men, she had to do it from both sides of the of the gender aisle. So when it comes to feminism, she understood the true definition, which was gender equality. She's a fucking amazing woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um if I feel like um you know whatever your religious affiliation is, I feel like the universe in general sends us kind of people we need at the time we need them. And so the universe definitely sent this like crazy little baby Kiki at just the right time when she could come up in the world and be the person that we needed to, to get to where we are. And, and I just, I really feel like, and I feel like her dying um, on the Jewish holiday kind of cemented that for me. Like, the universe kind of sent her and then, you know, took her. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to hope that maybe that was the right time too, and maybe something good will come of it and try not to be like, screw you universe. Like you sent her at the right time and then you took her now. What the, like, come on, come on with that. Come on. So I'm going to hope that there's something good coming because, you know, that's what I have to do to, not drink just at yeah, five o'clock every day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, you know, I'm, 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 it's funny. Cause I'm, I'm kind of like of two minds about, um, spirituality. Like one side of my, my brain is, is very rational and very pragmatic, but there, but the other side is just, is just full of hope and believes that everything does happen for a reason and that we are all connected and that each, 
every single thing that happens affects something else and, and creates um, something greater. And we're all growing towards something more important. And the fact that, you know, Candy, as you said, she died on Rosh Hashanah. Um, like, and she always talked about being born under a bright star. Like, that's, it's really moving. Um, <laughs> nobody can talk. Here, here's a fun one. I've got a fun one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got, I got a, I've got a fun little one. So, so wipe your tears, folks. Uh, this is a good one. So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought for men to be free from discrimination so vehemently that in 1976 she defended a frat boy's God-given right to drink beer. No, but actually, the case was Craig versus Boren, and the plaintiff was a fraternity brother licensed. Uh, uh, a fraternity brother incensed he couldn't purchase beer because an administrative statute in Oklahoma allowed his local liquor store to sell beer to women before they were 21, but not men, on the basis that women were the more responsible drinkers. That's crazy. Show me the lie. Show me the lie. Yeah, my first guess was that it was because women do the shopping. <laughs> oh, no. I was going to go with women are more responsible in general, not just drinkers, but we mature faster. So like an 18 year old woman's like what a 25 year old man. So it's true. It's kind of evensies, you know, it's, it's interesting because, and this was, this was 76. So I'm sure, I'm sure Kristen, something, part of what, what you're bringing to the table (laughs) bears weight, but specifically in the law, it said that women were more responsible drinkers and so they were allowed to buy to buy alcohol before they were 21 and and Ruth didn't take kindly to that being but, the well, gender equalist that she is sorry go ahead and again though i mean seriously at that point in time a woman typically would have had to ask a man for the money to go buy the alcohol. Yeah. And then if she didn't give it to him when she brought it home, if he wanted it, she probably would have gotten her ass beat. So like where exactly? And One- she probably got married at 16. And how are you going to buy your 25 year old husband his beer when he gets home from work? If you can't go buy it from the store when you're younger, they were marrying young girls and they had no like autonomy. So yeah. it's bad. This wasn't happy. This is yeah. awful. Yeah. Well, I, thought was, have... I thought it was funny for a no. second. <laughs> no. um, but she did defend him. So uh, she actually, she defended him. So she says, uh, um, while, our, while, while, RB, while RBG pithily acknowledged the case was a, not a weighty interest pressed by thirsty boys. <laughs> She still argued strenuously on their behalf, and by the way, she won. But I think, I, I, but I think it speaks to how how much of a strategist she was. Yeah, because she knew she couldn't approach this as a she couldn't approach her career as a women's rights um, strategy. She needed to poke holes well, and in, set precedent and set precedent. And that's where her genius comes in because I think, you know, I think we're all emotional creatures. I know I'm certainly on the emotional side of things when it comes, you know, for men, I guess. Um, but I, I'm a, I'm a very, I get emotionally pa- impassioned, and when I see some, when I see injustice, I want to squash it and I want to kill it and I want to. But that's not very strategic, and so I think that's where her genius really comes in. Is is how strategic she is when she approaches these things because she knew she had to chip away at both sides in order to be, 
to be heard and set precedent in the in the the um what the 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 in the law with the law yeah what's interesting about that is i wonder if if she were now trying to to be strategic trying to work with others would the toxic wokeness crowd would they would they agree? Would she be as big of a pulp, pop culture icon because of people's utter unwillingness to even entertain giving to get something? Right. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. 2020 is not about giving to get. It's, it's we're overdue. Give it to us now. And I mm-hmm. understand that mentality. I do. And sure. I am like that. Like I, I see – I see injustice and I want it corrected now. Um, but she but, was, she's smarter than we are. I think yeah. <laughs> even that little slogan that came out, the, the ruthless thing, which is a brilliant play on words, but I kind of, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I don't think that. Yeah. Cause she's not ruthless. <laughs> she's, she's ruthful. Right. Which I, I wonder how many kids, and I, I say kid in a loving way to like 20-somethings now, right. that mm-hmm. kind of idolize her. Um, you know, they wear the collars, they use the hashtags, but did they know what she was about or do they just know that she got things done? Right. So it's it's the everybody is kind of skipping over the learning part of it and going directly to the result part of it. And so they're they're missing the chunk that really matters about what happened and who she was mm-hmm. and how she did it. Yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent. I, I, I literally have goosebumps right now just just <laughs> thinking about that because it's, you know, it's such a powerful message in this day of immediate gratification that we all feel like, you know, we, we should be, you know, and, and we should, we should be past racism. We should be past systemic sexism. We should be past these things. And we're not there yet. We still have work to right. do, but it's called work. You know, it, it, it's work. We have to do the work. And, work. Just, and I think in her, her case, like sacrifice, she was, she was, she sacrificed so much. I can't remember, um, at what point in his life her husband was when he went through, it might have been the first bout with cancer, but she was writing papers for him. She was sleeping like two hours a night. Um, it, like the woman went her whole life sleeping two hours a night. It was insane. Literally. Like it's, it's, yeah, the, the amount of work that she put in to, you know, she graduated Harvard first in her class. You can't do that unless you're, you know, 100%. I mean, a brilliant, you know, she, she was gifted, but her gifts, she, like she, it, it was the practice. It was the work she put in on top of her gifts that made her truly special. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's what an, what an amazing lady. Um, this was, uh, this is a great quote from her. Um, she says, when I'm sometimes asked when there will be enough women on the Supreme Court, and I say, when there are nine, people are shocked. But there have been nine men, and nobody ever raised a question about that. Because, like, it's like, oh. <laughs> it's, so, it's so blatantly obvious. I right? know. 
it's so blatantly obvious and in your face. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes absolute sense. Um, you know, and that was tongue in cheek because she knows she, you know, she, she, she's in a, she understands that there's nothing wrong with watching the pendulum swing from, from one direction to the other and it will always swing back. Right. And it's like, until we have, you know, until we start to allow things to, to go the other way, they, they're, they're not going to, they're not, they're not fluid. They're not moving. And right. we, we see so many people so rigid and and conservative and not wanting to see things change that uh that saying nine supreme court justices just makes them pee their pants or well, nine women supreme court justices I, should say. I never i didn't get an opportunity to look that up what her opinion was on the size of the court but i've heard a lot over the past couple of days people calling for a larger court and i can't remember what her opinion her opinion was, was, was no her opinion was no. She said, I think nine's a good number. She said it multiple times in her, throughout her life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now when it comes to political strategy, like the Democrats are really good at, at um, you know, changing things for their own benefit and then it backfires. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen it time and time again. The filibuster, the Democrats were the one that got rid of of the filibuster on federal court justices in 2013. Yeah. And then the Republicans came back in 2017 and did it to us. And that's how they got Neil Gorsuch. So, and I know progressives, you know, I, I know so many progressives that are like, no, we got to fight. We got to do everything tooth and nail. We got to pack the courts. And I get the sentiment, but Ruth didn't believe that. And, you know, and, and there's something to be said for, working within the rules. Now, the, 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 the shitty thing is oftentimes the Republicans won't work within the rules. They're always, they're cheat with gerrymandering. They cheat with all kinds of shit. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have, I, cer- I certainly don't have the answer to that question, but I think it's worth discussing and not just assuming if you're a progressive, you need to believe that we need to pack the court so you're not a good progressive. I'm aggressively liberal, I think. Like, as far as it goes. And even I, like, I guess because of just societal training throughout my whole life, even when I saw the, you know, when there are nine quote, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Then I was like, wait, what? Whoa. Wait, I agree with that. I agree (laughs) with that. And it took me a minute to like untrain my brain that that would be a strange thing because there are men always there. Why wouldn't there be nine women there? And it it took my brain a minute to go, no, that's not right. You're, it's okay. It's (laughs) okay. So I, and and I, I think I look at, at, at me and I'm, I, I'm not, a perfect individual, but I, I do think I can look inside my brain and go, Oh, well, that's a, that's a bias you have from living in the world. So, you know, rethink that. I, I think that's where a lot of the Republicans are lacking in critical thinking skills is checking their own bias in things. And I think the the hypocrisy of this, really highlights that their, their inability to like self-check like you need a right. self-checker just just take a second and and think about what you're thinking and why you're thinking it and i don't think that they do that at all no yeah i i also think that you know as 
as progressives, as liberals, as Democrats, um, oftentimes we find ourselves showing up to the knife fight with cupcakes. Um, so we're always like, we gotta, we gotta be more, like we got, we got to stand up harder. And so now, you know, now we're hearing this, like, we've got to do whatever we can to, to keep Trump from moving this, this pick forward. We got to pack the courts. We got to do whatever. Um, and I get that because it's like, we've got to stop being playing so defensive. We got to play offensive, but at the same time, we got to be really careful about, we got to be careful and strategic. Like if we can learn anything right, from Ruth, and intentional. it's strategic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not reactionary. Right. Cause that's what we do so well. <laughs> well, right. And so oddly enough, even though most of the justices are super conservative at this point, I was surprised and pleased by a couple of the last verdicts that came out. And I can't even remember which ones they were now. But Me they- too. I remember reading it going, oh, shit. Yeah. I'll die. It's going to be okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. Mm. I'm guilty of that reactionary response though immediately like I I am guilty of that and I'm trying to get better at that because it's not good for my blood pressure and it doesn't do anything productive I'm trying to get better but I don't know I guess I lead a lot with emotions so my first reaction to everything is you motherfuckers like Mm -hmm. I get so angry I'm working on that so I I I need to remember things like those recent rulings that came out that were reasonable, reasonable. And, yeah. yeah. And, and try to remember that. Yeah. Um, it was June 15th, 2020 Supreme court delivers major victory to LBG LGBTQ employees. Um, an historic decision, the U S Supreme court ruled Monday that the 1964 civil rights act protects gay, lesbian and transgender employees from discrimination based on sex. The ruling was six to three with justice, Neil Gorsuch, president Trump's first appointee to the court writing the majority opinion. The opinion was joined by chief justice, John Roberts and the court's four liberal justices. So you do see, and, and again, and we were talking about this before the show, um, the power of having lifetime appointments and how terrifying it can be when the other side gets a lifetime appointment. But the bonus of that is that they don't have to worry about reelection, so they don't have to play partisan politics. They can choose and they can rule based on what they read into the law as opposed to what they need to do in order to get reelected. And I think that's that's the value of that lifetime appointment. Look, okay, Candy, hit me up with the opposite argument. <laughs> I can, I can, I can see the, the the benefit of that. I can, but what scares me about lifetime appointments when we have a president like Donald Trump is his like utter lack of concern for um, traditions or um, the law. Um, and, and the way that, and, you know, I'm going to use air quotes, like things are done in America. Like we have a certain decorum that accompanies everything that's related to being president and being the leader of our country. And he doesn't give a shit. So I feel like the people that, you know, the thing is, if they're there for a life, they don't, they're not tied to anybody. They're not, I don't feel, I feel like maybe he picks people with the specific intent of being in their ear and having some sort of control. Like, I don't think he picks people out of the kindness of his heart that he thinks are going to do a good job. I think people who he feels like he can control. 
You think so? Because like Gorsuch, I don't think Gorsuch is somebody that Trump can control. I, I think that Trump likes to believe that he can control people. And for a brief period of time, that may hold some clout. But outside of that, he's looking for people who have the better intentions of who are concerned about how the world is going to be for the elites more than they're concerned about how the world is going to be for the rest of the world. That's true. I I hear that. I also think that he's interested in electing people to the Supreme court that are going to move his base for reelection. For sure. Right. I mean, that lady he was talking about now wasn't, isn't she in some sort of crazy right wing group where the women aren't allowed to. Amy Coney Barrett. um, And yeah, my daughter was looking up a bunch about her today, but all I know is that she's like uber conservative. She graduated Notre Dame Catholic place of godliness. Um, Yeah. She's very much, (laughs) she's in this like, religious women's fraternity that like give power to the men in their lot. So she's mm-hmm. like, she's like Ruth Bader opposite. Right. <laughs> like the Bill and, you know, when Bill and Ted like see their opposite self. She's in like a Stepford wives cult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With pearls. Uh, uh, oh, oh, <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I do have a little bit of uh, background on it. So Amy Coney, Amy Coney Barrett is one of the top two on his list. She's forty eight years old, so she would actually be one of the young. And this is this is scary too. To your point, Candy, she's only forty eight, so she's one of the youngest. She would be the youngest person on the court. I'm not. She might even be the youngest person person ever to be elected to the court. Um, was a law professor at Notre Dame uh, and and clerked for Justice Anthony Antonin Scalia. Oh, great! Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's the bee's knees. Who, by the way, um, like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was like uh, an Anthony uh, Antonin Scalia. They were like the odd couple. They had like they, a palsy thing going on, did. didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. They used to go to the opera together. They used to have dinner together. They were ideological opposites but they had they they were like the odd couple outside of the court like they would spend a lot of time together which is quite interesting and bizarre i don't know like what i mean maybe this is strategic on ruth's part it, it might also it's hard to find friends who really appreciate opera <laughs> <laughs> that's true too that's I said it was strategic because I just can't. He's just the most unlikable individual. I mean, he really is. He's about. He's like dry. He's just so. He's like eating grape nuts for cereal. It's like why? <laughs> you can have Fruit Loops. Why would you eat grape nuts? Right. Like, um, to your point, Candy a- Amy Coney Barrett. During her nomination, Barrett came under fire for delivering a lecture paid for by the Alliance. Defending Freedom, a Christian conservative legal nonprofit based in Arizona that the Southern Poverty Law Center has designated as an anti-LGBTQ hate group. ADF has submitted legal briefs against same-sex marriage and landmark cases including Obergefell versus Hodges, United States versus Windsor. Uh, the group has also successfully argued Supreme Court cases on behalf of Masterpiece Cake Shop owner Jack Phillips. The Colorado oh. baker refused the same-sex <sighs> wedding cake. 
Um, when questioned, when questioned about the speech during her confirmation, Barrett stated that she had not undertaken to investigate the accuracy of the SPLC's description of ADS policy positions or its characterizations of ADS as a hate group and called the SPLC's designation a matter of public controversy. She added, however, that she would not participate in any program that advocated hatred and discrimination against any group, including LGBTQ persons. If confirmed, Barrett would be the youngest justice on the Supreme Court. So I don't, maybe not youngest in history, but definitely. That's not, so she's like, I'm just, my whole, you know, everything I've believed and been in my entire life, I'll just forget all that the minute I sit in the chair. Right. Yeah. I feel like if you're if you're going to be up for nomination process, your background check should not include any sort of like religious fundamentalism like that. Like yeah. that should That's- immediately exclude you because there's no way. That, that that thought process isn't affecting how she right on things. It's just not, and not, I'm not dissing her like intelligence or ability to do it. It's just, that's how, that's the lens through which she sees the world. It's not possible. I don't think. Right. And what's so wrong with wanting moderate judges who could go one way or the other, like judges who literally had made a career on, judging well based on the law based on their work this is about pandering to the evangelicals that's it period the end that's it those are the only people who are voting for him at this point they they're they are and he's gonna keep you know waving the bible and appointing the bible thumpers until he gets voted back in and then we'll see if he gets voted back in for another four years, how much he really could give two shits about that. If there's any, if there's any like, you know, cross my fingers, fucking knock on wood. If there's any like positive to, if Trump did get elected again, it would be to see his stark difference in his second term because he, well, I don't know, man, because what if he thinks he can get a third term? What if he thinks he can, change the law like what if (laughs) okay so that honestly in my opinion that's a larger concern than the idea of getting getting voted in a second time the 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 largest concern here is that he's gonna go uh rushing on us and and get himself a a third stop asking him the question yeah right well, like, don't, it's like you don't ask a kid what time they want to go to bed, right? You're like, right. going to bed at eight. <laughs> but he's never <laughs> been given any rules his no, whole life. Said, hey, um, do you want to stay up till midnight, maybe? Is that a possibility for you? No, you go, you're going to bed at eight o'clock. And they need to tell him, hey, you're done. Yeah, done. you get, to, you get two terms. Just stop I- asking the question to him. Because in his childlike mind, he's going, oh, well, maybe then. Maybe there's a chance I could do this. They're asking me, is there a chance I can do this? Like, well, no. And this, and, right. And this is what, the, this is what the Trumpers called Trump derangement syndrome, right? It's the fact that liberals freak out every time he says something suspect when, in fact, he's actually tr- trolling us to make mm-hmm. us go crazy. He's trying to get us to it go. <laughs> Well, but I so um, I so adored. Uh, we watched a film recently called Coastal Elites, 
and um, which is a bunch of monologues, and they're fucking brilliant. Excuse me, but yeah, um, we loved it. And I'm um, in the middle. You can, you can say fucking on this show. I have like five times. No, we can say that on this show. And one of the monologues, she's talking about it. She's really going into his personality, and she said, I don't, but I almost feel sorry for him because, and I'm trying to quote it correctly, she's like, he, he's a man who can understand what it is to be elegant and command authority. Like he's just smart enough to understand that, but he's not nearly intelligent enough or talented enough to execute it. So he's Mm. spending his entire life attempting to be this person that people will actually respect when in reality, it's never going to happen no matter what he does. Yeah, and it's weird because he makes he makes the um this is going to sound horrible, but he makes the unintelligent right-wing voter think they're smart. Right? He's like, "Oh, that guy, he's he's winning. He talks like I do. He doesn't think deeply into anything. He's always about the emotional reaction and he's he trying to, to get yell under at people skin. and go to Playboy parties." Exactly. That's all. That's all they want. Uh, well, yeah, but he faked them all into believing that he's the epitome of the American dream. He's a businessman who rose himself up to be this multimillionaire just from hard work. Right. And 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 they they go, oh well, you know, I could have that too, and and you know. He but in reality, he was already wealthy to begin with. His dad's a freaking monster. Trained right. him to be baby monster who conned craftsmen on every fucking building he ever had built out of their paychecks. And that's how he made himself who he is. That's fake news. That's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> your liberal agenda. <laughs> fake news. And here he is. And here he is stealing our conversation away from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. God, he's the worst. The worst. We're we're channeling her um, non carefully crafted feelings. Yeah, we're we're not being very strategic (laughs) about our approach, I don't think. Because he makes us so mad. But that's the thing. That's the whole point of Trump derangement syndrome is he makes us so batshit crazy. We make mistakes. Right. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg was all about take it slow, take it steady. Don't get angry. Figure out, okay, how can you cut away at this? And that was just that was just who she was. And she was just a genius about it. Um, you know, making friends with her enemies, right? She was best friends with with Tony Scalia. Like she knew how to fucking make change, and she didn't fuck around with yelling and being angry. And that was that's one of the things that's so amazing about her. I, I was watching um, some of her descents today on YouTube, and I was getting goosebumps. And one of the things she talks about is that the court often gets it wrong. The Supreme Court often gets the decision wrong, but it's the job of the dissent to speak so eloquently to the matter that you are then able to influence the people and influence Congress and the Senate to make better laws. And I think that's something that we often forget about the Supreme Court. They don't make the fucking law. They uphold the law. They uphold the Constitution. And if we right. want better laws, 
they their job is to make sure that those laws are upheld. It's their their job to ensure that those laws are are supported and and um, you know enacted in the rule of law. It's not their job to make laws, and that's what she believed about her dissents was that if she could create an eloquent dissent, she could influence Congress to make better laws. She's a beast. No, yeah, that's something that I, yeah, that's that's a very important. So what do we do now? Uh, <laughs> make better laws? I don't know. I'm exhausted. Um, so me. A, a last, last little point. Um, the fact that, um, so she's the, she's the first woman to lie in state um, in the United States history. And that is actually, um, and then she's also going to be buried, um, where is it, Mike? Um, uh, I can't remember. It's a, it's a uh, governmental, it's a federal. Arlington? A, Arlington, yes. Her husband is not there. Um, according to the Jewish faith, you get buried immediately. So all of this lying in state, she was so much a patriot. I'm not saying that she wasn't dedicated to her religion, but she was so patriotic that to have this honor and to do all of these things are kind of the exact opposite of what her religion would dictate. So she was very much a patriot like, yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah, because in the Jewish religion, she should not be lying in state. She should have nope. been immediately, uh, immediately Monday, married. Monday, she should have, yeah. Yeah, but she, I wonder she chose if not to family, do that. Like, who, who decides that? I, I'm, she, I'm sure she that she told her family that that's what she wanted, I would imagine. Uh, Joseph says Arlington. Is she? Yeah. Bar- she's being buried in Arlington. Yeah. Oh shit! I, isn't that what we just said? Mm-hmm. It, I'm so okay, sorry. Okay. I thought I thought we were just talking about lying in state. I thought you were talking about no, no, no. The, no. So um, she's being so she's not being buried with her family because yeah. Oh, what a amazing, amazing yeah. woman. Um. So when she got a so. The little Brooklyn girl who graduated the top of her class, who barely could find work out of law school, became an associate justice of the Supreme Court in 1993, and she was appointed by Bill Clinton. And actually, Bill had a different justice who he was planning on installing, but then Hillary Clinton said, you got to talk to Ginsburg. And She so, said she said that. Are we sure she said that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm great. I don't, I don't fucking know, Kristen. But she supposedly the story is according to bill and hillary is that he no he definitely had somebody else in mind i can't remember the dude's name but he had somebody else in mind and then supposedly hillary says to bill you've gotta you've got to interview ginsburg and then ginsburg he interviewed ginsburg and he was just blown away he's like you're the one and in 1993 um he put her into the supreme court and uh, though it's hard to imagine today, it was an extremely simple process. While her hearings before being sworn in became a little contentious, everyone realized that Ginsburg was more than qualified for the position. The Senate easily confirmed her 96 to 3. That's as bipartisan as it gets. 96 to 3. Upon her confirmation, Ginsburg joined Sandra Day O'Connor as the second woman ever to serve in the Supreme Court. In 2006, when O'Connor retired, Ginsburg suddenly felt the weight of being the Supreme Court's only woman. But rather than waver, she thrived. Most biographers say this is when she really came into her own as a justice. When she disagreed with the majority of decisions, Ginsburg began to make her voice clear, passionately reading her dissent from the bench. The notorious RBG was born. (sighs) 
And we were talking about O'Connor today, clearing up the history. So she is still alive. She's like in her 90s now um, after she retired. Oh, I didn't realize that. And a lot of people are here. Here's here's and this is what liberals don't like to talk about. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, A lot of people are mad at her. We're mad at her because she didn't. And we're talking about RBG. She didn't step down under Obama when he that had nothing to do with her. It didn't. She was was, she was a fighter. She could have. She could have. She could have. But from what I understand, it was. It's strategy, right? Coming from whichever side of the party. And from what I've heard, no one blames Ginsburg. They said that the party made a mistake. Well, Not I don't blame, the I, Democrat Party. Yeah, the Democrats have no authority over whether or not she steps down. I think someone could have made a good pressure. argument. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. People are making the argument that she should have. And at the time, they made the argument that she should. But I, I think if someone would have made an adequate argument to her at the time, it might have made a difference. I think she would have told him to shove it up their fucking asshole. <laughs> That's what she said in my heart. <laughs> in my heart and soul. That's how I feel it. Um, and she did. I mean, she, she's been incredibly important on the court since, you know, since Obama. Um, yes. Yes. Well, to be fair, probably suffering greatly. Oh, yeah. So, again, back to the sacrifice. I mean, working from the hospital recently and everything. I mean, there's no way she was feeling very well for a long time. Here's one of her more famous dissents. Um, This was back in 2007. Uh, Ledbetter versus Goodyear came to the Supreme Court. Goodyear had been paying Lily Ledbetter less than her male co-workers, but she didn't find out until years later. She tried to sue, but the Supreme Court ruled that the statute of limitations had run out. Ginsburg, as you can imagine, ruled in the minority and pointed out how women are rarely told they are being paid less. It was a loss to be sure, but Ginsburg made her voice heard, and that wasn't the last America would hear of Lily Ledbetter. Because of Ginsburg's dis- dissent... The uh, just uh, because of her dissent, the Congress a year later passed the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, which made it easier for women like Lily to win their pay discrimination cases. Score one for Ginsburg. And that's the power of that dissent, how important it is, even if the court gets it wrong or even if there even if there's a a valid constitutional or or um, an important law, an important reason why the court stood up. To, to, you know, whatever the law was, the law was then changed because of her dissent. And I think that's the power of, of that dissent and, and how she approached her, her time on the bench. Yeah. <sighs> I just, I mean, the more we talk about it, the more <laughs> despair I feel about <laughs> where we're going. It's just. But you I, said I it. Like, for you me, said, for her, her, but she was like our jewel, right? right? Like she, she, everybody has been saying for months, you know, they're shoving Joe down our throat. We're going to take Joe, you know, and then, you know, they nominate Kamala despite all the Black Lives Matter stuff. And everybody's right. like, but we're voting for the Supreme Court. Right. And 
could she not have just lived for a few months? Like, come on. Like, could she not have just lived a few more months? And, and I, so I, I feel like that was the one little tinge of hope we had, you know, through a pandemic, through all this horrible, you know, things. And, and we still had the hope that she was there and she was going to hold on and we were going to be able to nominate somebody and, and um, we're not. So I, I don't know. No, I, I agree. But you meant you made the case earlier and uh, for hope. And, and the case that you made was that, you know, she was born under this bright star. She, she died on the, on Rosh Hashanah. She died on the day um, you know, this, ex- this historic Jewish holiday. Um, and maybe the universe took someone from us, but maybe they're, maybe they're going to give a, maybe the universe gives us something else. And, you know, and, and I, my rational mind wrestles with that because, you know, I, I tend to be pretty pragmatic, but at the same time, you know, I, I think there, there's hope to be had. I think <clears throat> for me, I, I, you and I probably feel pretty similarly about Biden. I think you and I've had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we're not necessarily, we're not the biggest Biden fans in the world, but I think there is something to be said and, and, you know, and, and, you know, Kamala coming out of black lives matter and all of that is just, is just a little bit strange. Um, but I definitely think that one, one thing I have seen from Biden is that he is reaching out to the progressive caucus with the what's it called the t- the the joint there there's there's something that they're putting together the joint democratic something where they're, where they're bringing Bernie Sanders and AOC and all these people these people in to to work together now Joe Biden in that caucus said he wanted to be one of the most progressive presidents since FDR. Now, whether or not, whether, (laughs) for those of you who can't see Kristen and Candy's faces, they are, they are not buying the bullshit that I am selling. Um, (laughs) But I, I definitely think that if you want to swing towards progressivism, you've got to swing away from the sort of fascist uh, direction that we're going. And don't forget, For sure. there's a lot of federal judges that the president has the ability to appoint. So Trump, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think he's up to like 300 federal it's, judges it's, that he's appointed at this point. I didn't mean number. Okay. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pretend we didn't say that. I'm going to edit this out of the, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not 300. If somebody could tell us in the comments how many federal I judges think, Trump I has appointed. The- Last time I heard it sounded like 247 or something. Some, something. Anything like more than zero is too many. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you sat out in 2016 and you don't want to see it get worse, I hate to tell you, Joe Biden's the guy you want to at least at least stop the bleed. Like, I think of Joe yeah. Biden as like a tourniquet. You know what I'm saying? Like, just if, if you need, if, if you get a gunshot wound, you need to stop the bleeding. And I think that's what that's what Joe Biden could be is that president who can at least stop the bleeding. So to go back to I'm not really like this hippie and crunchy on a normal basis. Okay. But my aunt did say to me um, to go back to the universe gives you people that Joe Biden has run for president so many times and lost. Because he needed to be able to win this time. And so I'm going to throw that in with my um my, you know, pot of hopes and dreams about 
RBG dying at the right time and right. stirring up and hope something besides a pile of shit comes out <laughs> on the other side of 2020. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Nick <laughs> said, uh, so uh, Keith says, write in Mattis for president 2020. So I guess Keith will be writing in Mattis. Keith is a former Marine. So I think uh, he's a big fan of General Mattis, who is now a, not a fan of, of President Trump after having been fired. Uh, Nikki says, I enjoy your medical analogy. Oh, she liked the tourniquet uh, analogy. Um, yeah, so we got to stop the bleeding. Just stop the fucking bleeding. At least he took that stupid no more malarkey off the side of his bus. It's oh, like, God. do not look more like a 90-year-old white man right now. No more malarkey. Like, who did that? Who did that? How did that get past? I want to know who's responsible for that. I really hope he wins anyway, but I cannot say worse things about his campaign management. They are just like, that's something that Mike Moore was bitching about like months and months ago was like, he has zero field offices on the ground. Like his campaign is organized. Like it's organized by a bunch of six year olds. Like it's ridiculous. So yeah. They're hoping they can just put a lot of commercials on TV of him and Obama together. And that's going to be yeah. enough to do it. Yeah. That's and- what they're hoping. Yeah, and to be quite honest, you know, I've, I've, uh, who, I can't remember who I was listening to, but she was talking about the community. It was a black woman, and she was like, "You don't understand. Like my mom and dad, they have a picture of Obama on the living room wall. A whole lot of people do, and that, like, that man is there's Jesus, and then there's that man, like that. And so it, it is that association with Obama that can get Biden a lot of votes. But I hope so. Obama looks better in a tan suit than Jesus. <laughs> I'd put that picture over my mantle. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So Ruth's life's work was pretty much re- revolved around the 14th amendment. Uh, it was her rock. It, it was what she focused on. Um, wait, hold on. Before I get to that, Tom says, I was inundated with Biden advertising and emails. Every time I'm online, I read about the meetings he's doing. Uh, Jesus has entered the chat. <laughs> Sorry about what I said, Jesus. <laughs> but I do mean it. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Not sorry. Uh, the 14th of... That dirty, like, Robe doesn't do it for me. No, mm-hmm. no, that's fair. Um, do you think? Do you think Jesus would have eaten Grey Poupon? Yes. Yes. I think yeah. he would have eaten anything. They had like garbage then, right? <laughs> so, I, I I brought that up because the the tan suit was such a giant Fox News, you know, ri- ridiculous controversy. <laughs> Scandal of the year. They're just, oh, no. it's just Isn't it? they're angry that he's hot. They're angry that he's hot. It's just that simple. Yeah. yeah. Hot and There's black. the tan suit, and then there was saluting with the Starbucks cup in his hand, was another one. He saluted <laughs> some troops. <laughs> Stop voting for old white men, and you too can have a tan suit Obama in your With heart. these two horrible <laughs> scandals, the Starbucks, the Grey Poupon, and the tan suit. Yeah. And the sleeveless what? dress. Let's not forget the sleeveless dress. Wait, what Obama was the... 
wife what? looks banging in. Michelle, okay, oh, because she looks hot because she's yeah. hot because she they're has hot. arm they muscles. Take the hotness, yeah, they can't take the hotness. It's yeah. as simple as that. They're not deep. It's not a deep. We don't need a deep dive to figure it out. It's literally the hotness they don't like. <laughs> this is um, not a weird way right now. So, but like, okay, so like, obviously, Jackie was hot for the time, but she was very moderate, right? She covered everything up. Well, but no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Jackie, Jackie was like, Kennedy. I know, Jackie was the hot librarian type for sure. Yeah, but I'm saying she didn't show her arms, so that was okay. Oh, right, but but showing your your. Uh, everything but your vagina is classy now. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't have any issues, zero issues. Like, you can take off your clothes, do whatever you want. I have zero issues. I don't, I'm not going to look down on you for it. But the fact that they look down on Michelle Obama and then they think fucking Trump's wife is classy, that blows my goddamn mind. It goes back to the hypocrisy and the racism. And that too. Racism. <laughs> And the hotness. Don't forget the hotness. For fuck's sake. Uh, Joseph says Jesus wouldn't eat bacon. Uh, that, oh, no, he was saying Jesus, because Candy, you said he would eat anything because there was only garbage oh, around. Yeah. I mean, if they had had refrigerators, if we're talking about Grey Poupon, obviously we have refrigeration now. So we don't have to worry about dirty pork anymore, right? He wasn't. Oh, wait, no. Jesus was Jewish. You're right. He wasn't. Right. Yeah. Yep. I yep. forget. That's okay. That's okay. I still don't understand the, um, uh, I missed the Starbucks one, but the Grey Poupon one was just ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know if the coffee cup was Starbucks, but I know it was like a, it was a Starbucks coffee cup. And the Grey Poupon thing is like, your president eats Kentucky fried chicken out of a bucket on Air Force <laughs> One. Shut up. <laughs> And I'm, when I'm, the, not, when, I'm not bitter at all. When, when was the last time? When was the last time MSNBC was like fucking like? Oh my god, Trump's eating KFC. What the hell? Well, actually, never mind. They probably have. Rachel Maddow did a breaking news special on it. <laughs> <laughs> and they advertised it for four days beforehand. <laughs> Uh, Tom says, I envision Jesus like Lucifer from the TV show. We haven't watched oh, that Oh, we haven't yet. watched that yet. Is that any good? Have you seen that? Candy? What is we have, it? We have, Lucifer, there's, Lucifer? A, there's a show on Netflix called Lucifer. I don't really watch TV. No? Is Netflix considered bed, TV? I'm super exciting. Hmm. You go to bed early? I'm, yeah, I'm an 80-year-old woman. <laughs> My cat and I go to bed at like 9 o'clock. Nice. I do watch 90 Day Fiance occasionally because trash TV makes me feel better about my life. So I don't watch right. anything with content because my brain by nine o'clock is like. Right. Done. Checked out. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, yes, season three gets kind of slow, but the rest has been great. Uh, all right. We'll have to check it out. Let's check it out. Well, all I'm right. off to dinner, guys. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Candy, thank you so much for joining so us. Have you- fun. I love yeah. seeing your faces. Yeah, it's great to see you. Thank you for joining us and uh, keeping us uh, laughing. Though you're you're a fantastically brilliant woman, and uh, we appreciate your time. Oh, that's way too generous. Thank you. It is not. Yeah. Join, join us again sometime. I think. I, would I think. Love 
to. I think, yes. I think my sister Nikki's going to come in and join us here in a few minutes. So that's pretty cool. And oh, that's if, exciting. Yeah. And if anybody, if, if you guys out there here, you're listening, you, you got something to say. If you want to pop on, let me so know. I'm high-fiving to another Atlanta girl. You are. Yes. You are. <laughs> yes. All right. Bye, guys. All right. Bye, bye. Candy. Thank you. Um, so going back, oh wait, uh, Keith says, I go to bed at 8 PM. My nine-year-old goes to bed at 8 30. <laughs> and what is your nine-year-old doing? It's 30 minutes. No, I know. Right. <laughs> What's going on at, in those 30 minutes that you're not going to bed? What's up? We got the other Atlanta girl in the house. I heard trash TV, so I figured it was time for me. <laughs> that's exactly right do you have do, any new trash tv that that you're finding uh, any good i watch everything bravo i have problems it's fine but i heard trash tv and i was like i guess it's time for me to make my debut oh i forgot <laughs> you're a bravo girl leave me alone oh that's right <laughs> all right okay so, so is that where the cheer moms and the um no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> what about the one where they're on a yacht and they're yeah, the help they're, on yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, the kids had me watch that one last time we went to a hotel. <laughs> Wait, which one? But they get it. It's fine. Um, it's it's like the help on a yacht. It's all contrived. It's like a private yacht. They've got like... But it's people who work on yachts. So it's called Below. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's a reality TV show about yacht people. Yeah, yacht <laughs> is, is it called the yacht people? It's called Below Deck. So basically. Keith says, Nikki! <laughs> Um, below deck, uh, Keith, is it called Below Decks? Yes, is that right? below deck. it's just one deck. Oh, it's just one deck. All right, <laughs> fine. Um, no. all right, so we were just talking about the 14th Amendment. Uh, RGB, this is this is what she basically built her entire life and career around. Was uh, and the 14th Amendment, uh, Article One goes like this All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, and property without due process of the law, nor die any person within its jurisdiction, the equal protection of those laws. And it's in the equal protection of those laws that she built her entire career around. And, and Nikki, I kind of wanted to ask you, because we were talking earlier about um, you know, what sort of, uh, what sort of feminist RBG was, and that's, that's was her passion was gender equality. But I wanted to, I wanted to kind of get your perspective. Do you think it was more strategic on her part or do you think that was like really the root of what she believed? I think, I think both. I mean, the basis of feminism, I know it's a dirty word and everyone hates the word feminism because it, it doesn't exactly explain what, what it is that we actually want to achieve, which is gender equality. But I think that she did both. Isn't that like her her whole life's work is to, you have to be strategic to get anything done anyways. But right. I think that she wanted gender equality for everyone, not just for women. So. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. And I think that, you know, I think the fact that it's a, a dirty word um, just comes from our political opposition. I think it's only because of our political opposition that it is a dirty word. Um, and any time that I've, you know, brought that subject up about maybe we should consider how we can approach it from a more and to market it in a better way, it's right. only because I'm trying to figure out how we get policy and agenda. I think it, we've tried, haven't we? We're trying to make it say gender equality now instead of feminism because it has become 
a problem because people are like, oh, feminist. Oh. You're like, that's right. not what the that's not what it means. That's not what it means. <laughs> idiot people, <laughs> idiot people who have people who listen to them are probably like, oh, I don't think that's right. Women are paying them in. Well, and you were talking to me, Kristen, the other day about women who were very much against, um, you know, there's this counter movement of women who. Yes, I can't. I, I had written that name down the other day, but it was it was literally like, no, Tom's on Tom. Who are the people that you got the email from? And it was like women reclaiming their conservative identity or some oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, Maybe he'll Keith, write it. Keith, I don't know. Keith, in response to the 14th Amendment, says, wait, isn't it supposed to say all white land-owning men? So, <laughs> so it... The 14th Amendment actually was was to move us into the modern era, I believe. And so it was white landowning men who could vote originally, but I think that was from the Constitutional Convention. I don't think that's in the actual Constitution. I could be wrong. Uh, Tom, Tom says... says cl- okay, sorry, go ahead. Classically Abbey or something like that? Classically Abbey or something like that. So that oh, that's the movement of the women movement, yeah. who want to... And so what is, what is the idea? They're they're being shamed for performing the traditional activities of women, like supporting their husbands and working in the right. home. They're being shamed by modern women. But isn't that the whole idea of feminism is to allow women to choose? To do whatever they want? Yeah. <laughs> right. So is... And now you will hear you will hear the right wing specifically talk about first wave, second wave, third wave feminism. Is 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 there a point at which feminist certain groups of feminists have come to shaming um, women who stay at home? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're like oh, certainly. There's certainly someone who's shaming someone for doing something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's not the goal, but it happens for sure. Oh, oh, Tom says, I think there's a channel on YouTube. They want to take their culture back. Huh. Take their culture. Like, who took it from you? Like, who's telling you you can't? Who took your culture, lady? Like, Karen, like, nobody took your culture. Just do what you want. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, my mom just uh, texted. She says, they say that someone who dies on Rosh Hashanah is a true Zadik, righteous and good soul. And she was, and RGB was definitely that. My Jewish girlfriend sent me this. Lucifer is the fucking best. <laughs> I got the text, too. <laughs> so, um, uh, the, the language does feminine and masculine. So, what I looked up is it would have been Zadika with an uh, A on it. Is it? Okay. Yeah. In the feminine. Oh, in the feminine. So Zadik would be the masculine and Zadika would be the feminine? Z-A-D-D-I-K-A. Tom says, in regard to uh, the the Dear Abby movement or whatever the fuck they're calling themselves, uh, he says that he says that is point, right? (laughs) He says, that is what I want to know. I didn't take it. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so he, this is coming from a more level-headed individual. Joseph Lopez says, The patriarchy took their culture and convinced them it was the feminine... Oh! The patriarchy took their culture and convinced them it was the feminists. Huh? Damn. Yeah, Joseph's thinky. He's thinking out there. God damn. <laughs> That's that's an interesting that's point. Ginsburg way to think. Yeah, of. that's <laughs> and like, but but what would Ruth do? I'm gonna get like I'm 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 gonna get like uh, what is it? What is it called? The descent necklace that just says uh, W R D. Yeah, W W. Really upset because I wanted to find a statement necklace to wear, but I don't own jewelry, so that. I, I looked for one. It's like you're, it's on backlog, dude. I was gonna I was gonna send you one, and they're like. <laughs> You can't get them for like weeks. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the patriarchy took their culture and convinced them it yeah. was the feminist, and and that's what I love. Again, just going back to our our RBG, she the whole point of what she was trying to accomplish was gender equality, and she knew that she had to be strategic about it, and she didn't come from a, a, a immediate gratification culture, and we here we are in an immediate gratification yeah. culture, and we're trying to make change, but. The question is, you know, it's like um, we've, we've been talking about this since the Black Lives Matter movement really took off after the George Floyd um, killing murder. And, you know, I believe that, you know, once once you see um, uh, once there's a critical mass that people start to protest and there is going to be looting and those things are going to happen and rioting is going to happen. And that's something that is pent up frustration and anger over time. That that's a real, like you can't just be like, Oh, that's horrible. Those are looters, blah, blah, blah. You have to understand that there's something real and underlying here that needs to be addressed, but it's, unsustainable and my opinion is it's unsustainable in the long term. We've got to be strategic about making change at this point. And I'm not sure I'm not sure how we do that. It just seems like we just keep getting more and more polarized. Yeah. I'm, I'm just laying that out there for you guys. What's that? I said I've got no answers for you either. I don't know. I don't know. Because I get it. I understand the like want to burn it to the ground. I'm angry. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately I don't have a law degree. Uh, I, I don't have like any, um, power place in the world either. So it's hard to strategize that kind of change. Right. 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 And she was, you know, and going back to this kind of like, she was born under a bright star and she's this genius, person and you know she worked she worked day and night to figure these things out and you know uh, here, here we are with our rinky dink podcast trying to uh you know talk about things that other people aren't talking about and try to figure out you know what can what are the things that we can be doing um but you know there's got to be there's got to be greater momentum out there and i'm just wondering where we start to plug in as individuals, those of us who don't have any actual power or influence, like where do we start to plug in as individuals that we can actually start to make some change? Um, and I think, you know, the protests are important, but, you know, like, again, what, what would Ruth do? Like, how do we, where do we plug in? That, that, that's what I'm struggling with right now. Kristen, you're muted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so glad. Okay. So I was set up with all of this new tech today. And even when I'm muted, I can hear myself and all the noises that the dogs are making. To be fair, 
Um, I didn't put the mute button on there. No, no, no. There's a mute button on the computer. <laughs> I was just saying. I was just saying the mute button isn't the new tech. And I have to ask Tom why. Tom, since since Tom since Tom, uh, hopefully if Tom's still listening, Tom, I want you to um, tell Kristen how much better her her vocal is. Oh, I, I, uh, bet, I bet. With yeah, with her yeah, new. Okay, sorry. Go yeah. ahead, Kristen. I, I just feel like this is going to hit my face all the time. Um. So no. Um. I was listening to our good friends in Georgia on trashy divorces today, and they pointed out that um, Neil Gorsuch and Brett have. Both graduated from the same private school, like a year apart, and they were saying that good small things that citizens of this country could do were to, for example, be to say that Supreme Court judges have to have graduated from public school. That's a good idea, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting idea. I don't know if I agree with it, but it's an interesting don't idea. Don't you think it would give them a little more perspective on, like, living in this actual country <laughs> yeah. yes but i think there will be a like i think it would be unfair to the people who have already like done it do you know what i mean like it, i feel like you're excluding like 30 years of people if you just all of a sudden pull that trigger so like if you graduate from annapolis and then you want to go back and get a public school degree they're not gonna let you yeah. <laughs> or like what does that even mean <laughs> how would you go back and get a public school degree <laughs> It's, Bill, it's just, like Billy Madison style. You start over. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom says you sound amazing, but you still have that Vaseline coated camera. Come on, it's never enough for you, Tom. It's never, it's Damn. never enough. I know he he's a tech he's a tech guy. Isn't and, that uh, like a fifties camera technique? Maybe it's on purpose. Uh, well, no. So so you have the um, I, I don't know what he's talking about, but the. You've got a webcam still, whereas I've got this like, yeah, um, yeah DSLR. I have a anyway. computer camera, so <laughs> I sound awful. Well, you're a guest. You're a guest, so you're allowed to have whatever. Um, but we're we're held to a higher standard, apparently. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the whole public school thing. I mean, I, I definitely think that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really agree with that. Actually, I don't. I don't see how that makes. Okay, so how do you how do you keep elites from making up the majority of the yeah. government? Obviously, their parents can pay for a better education, so they're always going to have come from privilege. Primarily, I mean, there are scholarships out there, but specifically, if you're talking about lower levels of education, what do you think, Nikki? I mean, I get the point. Like, yeah, how do you? I, I mean. But you can't like put like that's you can't be like they have to come from public school either because that I mean it's it's unfair either way. <laughs> right, right. I, can we really? Mm, it's so hard because now we're getting into like, um, uh, like Fahrenheit four fifty one land where it's like how do we make everyone equal? Right. And it's like I don't. No, I don't that's know. Harrison Bergeron. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Same author. <laughs> same author. So I, I got the same author. Got so the right author. <laughs> right. So it's like this idea of like, how do we, how do we, everyone's got to be exactly equal. And it's like, how do we, like, the name of the game's equal opportunity, is it not? Like when we talk well, about. Buried. We already know the American dream's gone. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love your mushroom um, uh, photo on the back there, by the way. You know that came from grandma's apartment in Miami. Yeah. That's amazing. I remember. Why? Why would? Why would your grandmother have that know. on her wall? She thought it was really ugly. And told me I could. Have it. <laughs> and I was like, "Great, I want it." 
Um, Joseph says we need to make all children wards of the state and uh, never mind. <laughs> That, that's how we make everyone even. All children are wards of the state. Everyone's perfectly even. And then, oh, you know well, what we could we're do? All as a collective, and <laughs> exactly. we all have the same ideas. And yeah, it's fine. It's you're raised by your neighbor. It's, it's all fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely some sci-fi about that somewhere for sure. Oh, 100 percent. I think. I think. Uh, no, not Matrix. Um, hmm. I'll have, to, I'll have to think a little more fully into that one. So what do you guys think? Um, so I, I just wanted to bring, come, come back a little bit to the politics of what's happening with RBG's seat. Now that we've had an opportunity to uh, go through her life, um, she wanted, she did not want anybody to replace her. This was her dying wish. She didn't want anybody to replace her until after the new president is installed. Um, do the Democrat is is it even possible for the Democrats to do anything, or are we or is it or, you know are we done with this seat? Um, I was reading you like a list of random delays that they can cause that aren't necessarily quote unquote filibustering. Right, but um, we have forty. What what do we have? How many days to the election? Forty nine now. Oh yeah. Getting close. Is, is today thirty nine? Thirty nine days. I think so. It's getting very close. Oh, fuck. Um, and like 101 or something till the election. Yeah. I, I had a list too. I was, trying to, I was trying to see if I could find that of what else was possible. You know, and, they keep, and the Democrats keep talking about, we've got all these arrows in our quiver. <laughs> and you're like, yes, come on, I Pelosi. Yes, she said that. Oh, and not only did she say that, she said one of the arrows is not telling you what the arrows are. <laughs> She's Dr. Seuss now? <laughs> She's also a racist, so let's not go there. <laughs> Uh, Joseph says, until a new president is selected, note the wording. No, I think Joseph, I actually think she said installed. She used the word installed, um, not selected. She used the word installed, according to her eight-year-old daughter who she read this off to, or granddaughter, excuse Wait, me, who she, re- who she read this eight, off to. You said eight-year-old granddaughter? Eight-year-old granddaughter is, is the last thing that I read. And then Trump said, that's horseshit. This sounds like Schumer. This sounds like blah, blah, blah. Um, I did. I w- I'm not gonna lie though. Like I, I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be more RBG like. Um, but when they booed his ass, when they said vote him out, when they started chanting vote him out at her, at her funeral, I, I was know. like, oh, get him, get him. I know. Um, but DC is so democratic. Like they're they're so not his base. Um, well, and I I hate to pick on her, but did you see the footage of Melania during that whole thing? She's like, she was just standing there, just like perfectly statue, and then like it kept, yeah, and it kept getting louder, and then she just like turned around and slowly like walked in the other direction. <laughs> She's like going away from this. <laughs> Be best. Be best. Does <laughs> <laughs> not compute turn around. 
Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California said her party is not without options to try to stop or slow the nomination and that Democrats have arrows in their quiver yet to be deployed. Well, I have arrows in, uh, and I quote, well, I have arrows in my quiver, in the House quiver, and one of my arrows is not to say what those arrows are. Okay. I I mean, what the fuck? I have it from a much more politically (laughs) journalistic perspective. Um... This what is are you talking about. This is um, David Sirota. I don't know if you know who he is. I don't. Um, <clears throat> grinding the Senate to a halt. The Senate runs on the un- unanimous consent system, which basically means that to do its most basic business, all senators must consent. In this situation, Senate Democrats have the power to use that system to grind everything to a halt. They can refuse to grant unanimous consent for the smallest things. They can force the reading of entire bills aloud. They can hold up the federal budget that the government needs to run. They can use these tactics to try to push back any confirmation hearings on a potential nominee. And they can try to do these things at least until after the next president is installed, all while they remind the public of the hypocrisy of the GOP senators who said that they would not try to install a judge during an election year. Mm. That's why. Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. It sounds. Uh, it's not gonna happen. No, it's not. I was like, it sounds like it's just not. Gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk about like we talked about this earlier about how things backfiring on the Democrats, how they like change rules and 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 the backfires. And so, for those of you who weren't listening earlier, Democrats in 2013 voted to get rid of the rule that required 60 votes to end a filibuster on executive branch nominees and the federal judicial appointments, saying that the GOP was slowing the process of confirming Obama's judicial nominees. Republicans upped the ante in 2017 when they voted to extend the rule by ending the 60-vote rule on the filibuster and Supreme Court nominees. Now, that did backfire for them when it came to the Supreme Court, but I'm not against overall eliminating the filibuster for both parties moving forward. So for those of you who don't know exactly what a filibuster is, basically it's the idea. It used to be like way back in the day. Fine, I love the idea of the filibuster. Do you? Do you love the idea of the filibuster? I just think it's like hilarious fun to just go up there and just talk forever. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. And it was during the, the civil rights acts of 1965. Um, I think it was Strom Thurmond actually. And he did a 24 hour filibuster where he was on, he was on the Senate floor speaking continuously for 24 hours. You can't do, you can't pee. You can't do anything. Can't do you. You can't pee. Now here, here's what you can do. You can get somebody from your own party to ask a really long question Mm -hmm. while you run and pee. This is our government, people. That's why I think it's great. (laughs) Right, but it's hilarious. hilarious. But isn't it better if it were effective rather than entertaining? That's why they said it slowed it down. The GOP slowed it down. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it slowed things down. Yes, it did. That was the point of it. It was. And, and... I mean, just just from a humor perspective, it's it's fantastic. Just yeah. to, just to think of somebody like having to pull these antics to like slow down and the it's Senate. Right. Is oh yeah, like just you have to catch Parks and Rec with Amy Poehler on the roller skates. Right, exactly. <laughs> they also did it in the show Scandal. If you ever watch Scandal, they also oh, I haven't seen Scandal. Oh. It's great drama, you know. 
Right. But, <laughs> but now they don't even have to, all it takes is a threat of a, you don't even actually have to do the filibuster thing. Like you, you can just threaten filibuster and then, and then they can try to see if they've got the 60 votes to attain what's called cloture, which basically just means it ends the filibuster and moves the Senate to a vote. Um, but I mean, you know, and, and whatever, but the problem is the question is, does voting matter at that point? So it's like, we have to get, we have to gain a two thirds, a two thirds majority of the Senate to pass a law. Like that's basically what the filibuster does. It keeps, it keeps the Senate from being able to pass a law unless you have two thirds of the vote. Whoever, who has two thirds of the vote? Like that never happened. Nobody ever has two thirds of a vote. Can't do anything. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and if there were less party politics involved, I think more leaders would be thinking more about their actual constituents, and you would see more votes that came out like that. So, so do you think if you got rid of the filibuster, then you'd have the ability to see less politics in the Senate? No, I think that that's it's all money at this point. We have to figure out a way to change our we have to change the capitalistic system. Everything. Yeah. Okay. Here, here we go. You Marxist BLMers. Start again. Yeah. This is where we are. It go is knock it. on doors. It is interesting. I, I, I'm not a Marxist, but I, it's definitely interesting looking at where we are today with, with BLM being, uh, created by trained Marxists and how Karl Marx was actually the dude that said eventually, you, did you know that? It's yeah. Apparently the, the creators of BLM are actually trained Marxists by their own, um, by their own identification ad- admittance, um, <laughs> which I didn't, I didn't know till several months ago. Um, and I, so I'm, I'm, I would say I'm, I'm for BLM as in black lives matter. I'm not, I'm not a trained Marxist, nor <laughs> do, I, do I want to be. Um, but I do find it fascinating that when Karl Marx was writing about, I'm sorry, I have to say, I have to interject a funny thing here. So are you saying that there's like a Marxist school that they're like trained (laughs) or are you saying that they like have studied Marxism and they're identifying that way? They're a really good shot. Wait, quiver. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe it's a right-wing talking point. Maybe the word trained Marxists are a right-wing talking point, or maybe they said we are trained Marxists and that, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking know what that means. So the I'm other word so- is Marx men. Oh my God. <laughs> or Marx women. So one of the, one of the things about Karl Marx is that he talked about communism would only truly be enacted in late term capitalism oh wait here we go joseph just just put up uh no late capitalism is terabad burn it all <laughs> follow-up question is marx <laughs> follow-up question is marxist academy a public school <laughs> <laughs> i mean by definition it would be wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> oh for fuck's sake uh, I think I'm turning red um, from laughing so hard I mean, you got a little red no but I do find it fascinating that the whole like you know 
the whole idea of that Karl Marx put forward about communism was it wouldn't be installed until late term capitalism until capitalism was on its last legs. Mm. Um, and it's weird because capitalism gone bad is fascism. Really. It's when the, it's when the free market controls the government and where are we exactly? (laughs) Purple. Thursday. I don't. <laughs> so it's weird. I I do. <laughs> and again, I'm not a communist. Like I I I run a business. I'm a ca- <laughs> I, I I like to make money. I'm just going to be clear about that. Um, but at the same time, if there was a if you know if there was a uh, a utopic vision where it could actually exist in a utopian world, sure, I would be happy to consider it. But people are selfish, man. Like, how do you? Communism can't work. People are too selfish. Um, I don't know. I, I think you're back to that cater question. Like if you made sure that everybody had what they needed, then you would see a lot less selfishness surface. Yeah. Like mm. medical care, for example. I have a friend who like always, she's, she moved to New Zealand um, a few, few years back Um because her husband's from New Zealand and she like always comments on like things I'll post and she'll be like, I don't mean to say New Zealand's like utopian, but like our law for this and this and this, and everyone seems really happy. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I mean, it does. It's, it's, we're a little bit ass backwards when it comes to most yeah, things. Yeah. We have a friend whose parents just chose to immigrate to New grandparents. Zealand. Yeah. Grandparents. Yeah. I mean, um, parents of my really good friends don't live in this country anymore for the most part. Most of them don't. <laughs> like yeah tell me how great things are and how i should be there because it would help me out a lot so a lot yeah yeah i've been i've been researching i've been researching uh countries that are easy to immigrate to <laughs> oh i gotta talk to you about that because we've got italian <laughs> descent we can get passports for you know italy that's what elena did i mean i'm just passport or citizenship citizens to get our passports really as long as it's all all, but they're very i don't know it's a little hard but we'll figure it out it's fine we'll just integrate it's fine (laughs) everything's gonna be fine (laughs) we don't have to stay we can move mike was really excited that belize was on the list oh yeah and not only is belize easy to immigrate to they use american currency and your american currency is worth way more there so we can literally what's that I said, can you believe it? <laughs> I didn't. Wait a second. You're not a dad. <laughs> you can't make those jokes. Of course I can. Those are my jokes. Those are dad jokes. <laughs> um, fuck. No, I'm serious. Like, I've been, I'm like, okay, okay we need a we bug out plan. Current no events no here. shit. We need a bug out plan. All right. You got current events, Kristen? Hit me. I did not know this woman's name. I was so, so surprised. Okay, so um, the state representative from Kentucky, Attica Scott, who helped Attica. Isn't that cool? Um, she helped introduce the legislation um, to stop no-knock warrants in Kentucky. And there were, there were a couple other mentions attached to it, like a couple other. I think it was um, body cameras were going to be required for all police officers. Um, she was arrested last night. Um, while joining a protest and three counts that were, uh, 
are against her are account of unlawful assembly, account account of failure to uh, disperse, and account of um, riot in the first degree. Because apparently, the library somebody tried to set it on fire across the street from the Unitarian Church. Oh no, shit! Yeah, hmm. she's a state representative. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Peaceful protest. I guarantee yeah. you she wasn't lighting anything on fire. Right. Right. No, no, no. And that's, that's, I think that's one of the most difficult things. Cause, um, so a new stat came out recently and it was like 93% of all, um, all these protests are peaceful. Um, and I think the, I think what's difficult to like extrapolate from that is like which parts and, and who, Right. So like you could say like if if all of the people marching in the street of the entire amount of time, if only seven percent of the time it was it was uh, violent, then that would be one thing. If it's um, if it's every time, you know, every time between one and one thirty in the morning, but every single one is violent between one and one thirty in the morning. That's also, you know. My point is, it's like, how do you measure whether or not a protest is peaceful? Um, and where are these stats coming from? I think, I think it's easy to bend stats to yeah, whatever political will you have. Yeah, and how do you know who set the library have. on fire? Right. <sighs> um, Joseph says the legal requirements to call something a riot is laughable. Um, yeah, I'm curious. with a riot. <laughs> what was that? I said it's, it's a, a riot. It's a riot. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, it's basically, yeah, it's basically the ability of a cop to say, this is an unlawful riot, move it along, which was, you know, which is like 180 of the 200 days, or no, what, like 100 of the 120 days of the Portland protests were yeah. considered unlawful one riots. Block, like one square block. Yeah. And no, so, think, yeah, like four, four or five blocks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so Kate Brown, uh, Oregon governor, declared a state of emergency again today because the Proud Boys are planning a rally in Portland this weekend. Um, uh, it's supposed to be in Delta Park, which is in North Portland. It's not near the courthouse or downtown. Um, mm. But um, <clears throat> the state of emergency gives um, power back to the Oregon State Police and the Multnomah County Sheriff who do not have regulations against that CS gas. So even though the Portland just, police, yeah, even though the Portland police are technically not allowed to use the CS gas, which is a type of pepper gas, it has a different... Is, is, that, is that straight up tear gas? Is that what they're talking about? Is that uh, it, like the, there, apparently there are very, there's like different varieties. Oh, so they banned um, one and so they're using another one. Yeah. That yeah. sounds well. No, right. because now that the Multnomah County Sheriff and the Oregon State Police are involved, they can give the Portland Police an allowance to do whatever. So now everybody is going to be allowed to use this. Really? Yeah. And um, if you're looking at the city regionally, North Portland is the more ethnic, in quotes area uh the poorer area of the city as opposed right. to downtown where people have their nice building right right and and that's the other thing it's like in in portland you know as nikki said you know this is a very small square footage where these 
protests slash ri- I, I meant riots slash protests are actually happening. I quoted the wrong one. Um, <laughs> this is what happens after two cocktails. <laughs> it's a little uh, protest riots. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, it's definitely it's definitely a, a very small area, um, and you know Portland is, or I should say, Oregon is. I think it's like 99% white, um, yeah. you know, and, but there are areas in Portland, uh, which are, uh, majority black and, you know, it's North very, Portland. what's that? North, North Portland. Portland. <laughs> you know, you know, you know where it is. <laughs> um, but you know, you're not seeing these things like the, the majority of the protesters are white kids. They're white kids and they're bored. <laughs> I'm just saying. And they're pissed at their parents. They're pissed at their parents for letting them play video games all day. <laughs> God. I will say no. I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of the Portland protesters that they are you know they're standing up for their for their uh, black and brown brothers and sisters like that's fucking dope like the fact that they're doing that it's it's impressive. Um, I just I just wonder if there are ulterior motives in a lot of their minds and hearts. Oh, they're they're, they're doing site violence. It's- uh, Keith says if you are out uh, after curfew, you are included if anything bad happens. Um, so Keith, I'd like to know if you mean that uh, from your perspective or from a uh, a police perspective. Um, and then he also says protests all day long, just make sure you're home before curfew. Okay. So here's the thing about that. Here's what I want to say about that. I have something to say about that. Thank you so much. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Nikki. No, I'm just mad about the curfew thing because when Atlanta was under curfew, you were like telling me that, like, is that not a fascist thing to put them under curfew? Like, I'm sorry. You don't want to wear a mask outside because that's infringing on your rights, but everyone can stay home after 9 p.m. Like, what about being allowed to own all the guns you want, but not being told to tell to go to bed at 10? Here we go with the hypocrisy of it all again. Well, right, right. So, okay, so there was a, there was a the neighbor's wall. Then you know, that's yeah, there was a horrible terrorist incident in Paris today, where two people were stabbed. Because that's what happens in Paris: two people get stabbed. <laughs> that's a terrorist incident in Paris. <laughs> that's that's so quaint. So quaint. It's actually yeah. <laughs> romantic if you think about it. <laughs> It's a personal. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So in the United States, when there's a horrible terrorist incident, 50 people get shot. Right. Right. No, the, the, yeah, the the French terrorists definitely are, are much more. (sighs) There have been other bad incidents. I don't mean to (laughs) diminish. Uh, no, you're right. There have, and and we're making light of of something serious. But you know, after a couple of cocktails, that happens. Now, given some gun laws, two people get stabbed. That's a good day, man. Right, right. Um, no, but I, I. So Keith, to your to your point, don't you think it's a little bit like I get the whole idea that well, if you would if you went home before curfew, then you wouldn't have been in trouble. But at the same time, 
don't you think that you know that's that's a little bit uh, authoritarian, like very authoritarian? And I understand, but I, I understand, I understand too that you want to keep people safe and, and yada yada. But you to criminalize anyone outside of their home after a certain hour—that sounds so authoritarian. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I don't like people. Uh, I can't leave my house after nine p.m. Yeah. yeah, not that not that I wanted to anyway. No, but you make yeah, me, I'm in bed yeah. at nine. Like yeah. I'm in bed most of the day. Like leave me alone. I yeah. don't want to leave my house. Period. Okay. Yeah. But don't tell me that. Yeah, but, but I'm now, the crazy lady who's gonna get shot down for chasing my dog at twelve o'clock at night. Right. <laughs> but now I want to. Like I didn't want to leave my house before. <laughs> I can't. Right. <laughs> fucking fascist. <laughs> Uh, Joseph says, if only the children had guns to protect themselves. <laughs> um, he says, or a truck drives through a crowd. Remember Charlie yeah. it was like 10 years he- ago. Hebdo? Who's Charlie Hebdo? Not long ago. Well, it wasn't 10 years ago? Five? What? I don't remember anymore. It all runs together. No, there was a truck that drove through. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't at Charlie. <laughs> So that's a satirist um, magazine, and that's where the stabbing happened today because a lot of Islamic terrorism focuses on that journal. Um, Hmm. But the truck driving through the crowd was at, like, an outdoor fair. It wasn't in front of the magazine, I don't think. That was probably, like, well, it only feels like 10 years ago. Yeah, it wasn't. Just because 2020 has been, like, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. (laughs) <laughs> right i think it was, it was like, like three years ago but we're in our minds it is yeah i think it was i think it was like two or three years <laughs> ago but it feels like 10 for sure well, and then there was a worse incident where they bombed a subway after a concert a Grande concert or something. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's right yeah well, that's true i could have made that up in my in my mind <laughs> it was a it was a, a a female artist who appeals to younger girls i think yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and she I felt was, terrible about the whole thing. And yeah. Wait, who did? The artist. <laughs> the artist felt really bad that it happened. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I, didn't realize, I didn't realize that was something that had to be stated. <laughs> I'm just remembering old news. She made a statement. <laughs> Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> it all happened to Paris. That's all we know. <laughs> um, we shouldn't forget the Nazis. Oh, that's so funny that that we were talking about. That's uh, we're like that's all we know. And then it's funny because Keith mentioned something about. He's like, when are y'all going to talk about Nazis? This was like twenty comments ago, and I finally found a way to bring in the Nazis. Why were we Keith. supposed to talk about Nazis? I don't even remember. I don't remember. But I saw a comment. I saw a comment. And he said, well, "When are you going to bring in the Nazis?" And and so there you go. Fascist, I don't know. That's where I'm maybe, maybe. I don't know. And that's something that Brooks taught us. Actually, is that like it's a giant circle. So you have <laughs> you have like um, you know the right and the left, and then um, you have communists and fascists. And that as you move around the circle, what you know at the top of the circle it's authoritarian. The bottom of the circle is libertarian. Yeah. But as you move around the entire circle, um, you, you, it's not just like right and left. It's like a, a giant it's circle. Really, life's a circle, man. There's ups, there's downs. It always comes back up again. I don't know. Bravo. Liberty's taught me that. So. I thought that was a roller coaster. A circle? <laughs> no, the ups and downs. 
It's the circle of life. Uh, Keith, <laughs> Keith says, on January 7th, January 2015, two brothers, Saeed Sharif Kauichi, uh, forced their way into Charlie Hebdo in Paris, armed with rifles and other weapons. They killed 12 people and injured 11 others. Because we started mm-hmm. talking about Jesus of the next... Wait. Sorry, that he finished that statement and then says, because we started talking about Jesus of the next, that logical step in the argument is bringing them in. Oh, he's going back to our he Jesus conversation about He wasn't saying that Nazi. the incident with the truck driving into the crowd was the same incident as happened at the journal. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, 11, so Charlie Hebdo in Paris. Uh, yeah, don't even try that. I speak French and I can't pronounce it. So just say the journal. What do you mean? What's the journal? <laughs> it's the magazine that you keep trying to pronounce that I said I can't even pronounce. So. Charlie Hebdo? That's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> is, that, is that a journal? <laughs> it's a magazine, yeah. I thought it was a person. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a satirical magazine. It's like the Canal, but different. It, not a newspaper, a magazine. Oh. Mike, just... Got it. I, no, I, I hear you. Uh, Joseph <laughs> says, I thought life was a highway. I was laughing at that one. <laughs> <laughs> is it a roller coaster? Is it a highway? Do you want to ear away? Do you want to oh, ride it all night long? <laughs> oh, okay. So we've got about five minutes left. Should we? Should we go? Should we? Should we wrap up with like a, a thought about the notorious RBG? Like, I, I, I'll start. I'll start. Um, one of the so. This week, as I was researching her life and experience, and we watched uh, we watched her documentary uh, about a year and a half ago. I think twelve came years or, ago. Sorry, sorry, not time. No, make any sense anymore. Oh God, you guys are the worst. <laughs> You're the worst. This is what happens when Nikki gets around Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> I ruined her. What are you trying? To say? No, it's just it's funny to us, but it's just funny to us. It's not funny. <laughs> the the what i'm what i'm going to take away from rbg's death is that i need to be less emotional emotionally reactive i need to be better at researching the facts i need to be better at being more strategic about how i approach things in order to make change happen that's all i have that's that's what rbg rbg taught me Okay. <laughs> what did you do, I Nikki? Shocked. I'm shocked. I don't know. <laughs> I want to say that maybe Ginsburg appeared less emotional because she knew that she was a woman and she would always be discounted if she acted emotional, which is what 100%. we're constantly discounted for doing. Right. So I don't know where to go after that. I don't know if I want to say that she was emotional on her own time but she didn't let it show when she was trying to make a proper argument. But isn't that like, can't, I don't know. I, Nikki knows I'm an emotional boy. Um, uh, are all men as emotional as I am? I don't know. I think, I think men are just better at, uh, I think well, men. Socialization. Like you're taught to not be that way. So, you know, right, but I'm going to go back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like, she wanted equality for all. We should all like, if you're a man, you should be able to be emotional. And if you're a woman, you should not have to be. It's, it's, but not like Brett Kavanaugh who cried because everybody wasn't giving him everything he wanted. Well, See, that's a privilege. And that's 
This is the best. <laughs> no one's going to like us. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so, all right. So Kristen's point was, is it, is it because she was a woman that she felt like she had to be less emotional? So she had to be more strategic and she had to not wear her emotions on her sleeve. Nikki gave me permission as a man to be emotional. Um, I will say though, that I don't think my, I don't think. Joseph's comment. Joseph says, no, men are socialized uh, that any emotion other than anger and horny is a weakness. That's okay. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Men are emotional because they go to anger. They're able to use anger. Now, I'm not sure horny is an emotion. I just, sure is. is it? Is horny an that's emotion? Why people, that's why people are like, yeah, I can do whatever I want to a woman because I have that emotion. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think so because horny, <laughs> horny is just horny. <laughs> I was being facetious. <sighs> all right, fine. You're being facetious. All, all I'm saying is that I think anger is the only emotion men are allowed to be. Or were horny you trying is, to horny is also they're they're allowed to be. <laughs> Fuck you both. I don't even. I don't even <laughs> You should have never asked me to do this. <laughs> uh, Tom says no, he, is now, he is now angry and horny <laughs> over this conversation. Oh, did you guys watch the last episode of The Boys by any chance? The, have you seen The Boys? You've seen yeah. The Boys, right? Okay. Did you see the last episode this, that came out this week? There's one that comes out tonight. So last week's episode? Yes. Last did you week. See yeah. last, yes. Didn't you see? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. I, we're not allowed to do that anymore. My bad. But, Nikki, did you see last week's episode? Mm-hmm. All right. So, there was, remember the angry, horny sex at the end? Yes. Yes. All right. So, Tom, just to your point, that's, that's yeah. Anyway. Wait, that's how men are allowed to be. <laughs> that's, that, that's my point. That's my fucking point. <laughs> Oh, good lord. <laughs> Maybe Ruth um, loved laughter more than we knew. <laughs> did, did, an, did anyone else have to say anything about RPG before we go? <laughs> bad bitch. Bad yeah. bitch. She's a bad motherfucker. Uh, Tom says the boys is getting difficult to watch. I actually... It is. It, it is. is. It's supposed to be. It is. I but I, I. But I think it's like... I don't know. I think it's like something they're, they're taking it to the edge. Um, it, the satire is so good and it's so um, it's like, it's like what you always thought could be from like a comic book, but like they just weren't allowed to do like, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I respect it greatly. <laughs> yeah. Any, any Stanley book? would love it. Uh, yeah, he'd love it on a satire level. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, any any final words on RBG, you guys? You were doomed. He's a bad mother. No, <laughs> RBG would never say that. Like she, when she was born, like look at what she overcame. Like the fact that we've we've gained the ground of from people like her. Like we can't give up. No, like, I like okay earlier um, from your guest earlier about how. 
maybe we're now we're going to get something better into or something new into the universe. Right. Right. Um, something that was meant to be yeah. there. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, we haven't talked about it, but I wonder what kind of pressure Justice Sotomayor is feeling at this point. Like maybe she's going to feel like she needs to step it up and yeah. yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, judges aren't supposed to be not, I'm not saying that so. her history is, like, fair. Right. <laughs> like some justice and fairness in the world. Yeah, justice. And again, like know, that. Isn't that the name of the job? Yeah, it is. That's exactly the name of the job. And I oh think my God, that. Maybe Clarence Thomas will get, like, invaded by some ghost who just wants to kick his ass. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Or like, I'd love to see his head spin around a few times. I wonder if he has dreams about pubic hairs on Coke cans. I, I, there's no one in the world I dislike more. <laughs> do you guys remember no that? Do you remember, his, do you remember his confirmation hearing? Yes, what? I remember his confirmation hearing, but nothing's as bad as he saying that a 13-year-old deserved to be strip-searched without her parents present just because someone suspected her of having drugs in school. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, that's um, yeah, Clarence Thomas is a piece of shit. I will go on the record. <laughs> Pull up the tape. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been fantastic. You guys are amazing. Uh, rest in power, notorious RBG. As the globe continues to shrink and the power of information screams forward, every action, every idea has a chance to catch fire and set the world ablaze. In this time of great uncertainty, we look boldly in the face of calamity with cocktail in hand. Join us every single week as we discuss the technology, politics, and social issues facing humanity's global future. If you'd like bonus content, our weekly newsletter, or an opportunity to join us live, simply go to cocktailsandcalamity.com to join the movement. You can find us live on Facebook at Cocktails and Calamity every Friday at 5 p.m. You can also watch or listen anytime on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Join us live, engage in the conversation. We'll see you there.